The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hello, hello. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. So I'm happy to report that I do not have a technology tale of woe this week. Knock on wood. (laughs) As I knock on my head. Uh, next week, all bets are off. But for for now, I'm i things are what seem to be uh, okay. <laughs> technology woes. If yeah. you want to hear any about any of those, well, yeah. I I prefer if we have a technology woe that we've got a solution to. So, but if if you ever have a technology woe that you found in a good solution to, that would be good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we also we're we're willing to take technology woes from listeners if they've got questions or that sort of thing. We're happy to take those and answer them as best we can. So, but today uh, I have the, the the best panel for this topic because uh, you both are working in parish ministry. Obviously, Father Corey mm-hmm. and Joanne, you work in a parish collaborative situation in uh, faith formation, and I wanted to talk about how technology in the time of COVID. <laughs> this is how we call, talk about things today. Has changed our faith lives. Like what has changed, which everybody kind of knows, and what we think is going to stay the same. And what's going to go back to the way it was pre-February 2020? Uh, and and sort of kind of go through that. Uh, I mean, obviously, the one of the, the biggest change for Catholics in our faith lives uh, this year has been the uh, inability for most people to go to Mass, at least as it was, uh, and the rise of the live stream Mass. Well, it, it, it's funny because I remember... Before the word COVID and coronavirus was even known by the average person, kind of, you know, lamenting for quite a while of, you know, we in the church are not using technology to its fullest. Yes. We've discussed that on this podcast. We've discussed it in private conversation. We've discussed it with our parishioners. We've, you know, and it's, we kept thinking, you know, how are we going to use this technology? We have this web technology, you know, convincing priests that, Yes, social media is something that priests need to have a presence on. You know, yes, we need to be doing things like live streaming events. You know, because I I, I can think of, you know, a few years ago talking about events here in the diocese where we would have speakers come into the diocese and saying, why aren't we doing live streaming of these events? We have a diocese that is bigger than most most states in the, you know, the up where you guys are right you know <laughs> yes. and why aren't we live streaming some of these events so that those of us who don't live close to Billings or Great Falls which I didn't at the time can get to can at least view them well now all of a sudden we have to take this question seriously and that's where you mentioned like live right. streaming math I saw priests scrambling to set up Facebook accounts YouTube accounts uh, you see, diocese suddenly getting on the board with, hey, we should have our our staff, like our staff meetings or our, our uh, pastoral ministry meetings or other types of ministry meetings via streaming Zoom so that people don't have to like even in even in the Boston Archdiocese where I live, asking people to travel at six or seven o'clock at night to go to a meeting somewhere that's central in the diocese was ridiculous because. We may we may be compact, but we're overcrowded and driving yeah. anywhere takes forever, especially at rush hour. And so suddenly, huh? So I worked for the archdiocese. I've mentioned before I worked for the Boston Archdiocese starting about ten years ago as the director, the creative director for for new media. I think it was the title. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, my job was to help parishes get w- websites. So many of them even now are still struggling to do that, and to help them with other technologies like this. And yeah, this. I think COVID proved the point, which is we need it's not just a nice to have. We needed this stuff. And I'm kind of glad to see that so many parishes have so quickly got on board with we're streaming. 
we have the technology, we've tapped into volunteers who have the knowledge. Uh, we've actually got internet access in church buildings now. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we do. <laughs> well, that was, that was, you know, it was, it was, of course, being tech savvy, I made sure I had all the basically infrastructure for this in place, but there are so many parishes, like my new parish is here. Um, the one of them has Wi-Fi because it's reaching from the rectory that I, I'm living in right now. The other one has absolutely no internet, but they mm-hmm. both have old, like VCR era cameras right. that they would use for overflow, where they're just you know wall mounted cameras. Not you know definitely not not even standard definition TV quality. They're they're little above you know if if you remember the you know express record or, you know, extended recording version of, or yeah. version of VCRs. <laughs> how bad that was. That's kind of what the level of those cameras are. But that gives the idea then of, well, why don't we replace that with something like say one of the more, the newer dedicated web cameras, not really web cameras, but broadcast cameras yep. that are designed where they can do the, like the pan and the zoom remotely. Right. You know, but it's so many parishes, like you said, had absolutely no thought to having any kind of internet infrastructure in their facilities so that when this happened, all of a sudden priests are trying to figure out, what do you mean I can't do YouTube off of my phone because I don't have a thousand subscribers? How am I supposed to get a thousand subscribers? And you see those those right. goofy posts of priests are like, I need a thousand subscribers. Uh, good luck, dude. You might want to either use a laptop or Facebook. Right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, I was looked at as the odd one because I was so technologically savvy. Mm -hmm. And when all of this hit, yes, it took a little while to get my co-pastors on board. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, if Joanne wasn't here and she didn't know what she knows, then we would be up the creek. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but I have another job and it's called Faith Formation. And what's, what's happened is our collaborative was pretty, I think it was like, you know, middle of the road tech savvy where we had a website, we had Facebook and we had, um, I don't think we have Twitter, but we had a few things in place that people kind of sort of played with. But when this all hit, they needed someone who could just pull it all together. And I knew how to do that. So all of a sudden it became as anything else in the church, my job. Right. (laughs) Now I'm sort of, you know, tech webmaster slash faith formation. And it gets a little dicey. And the other thing that this did for faith formation was you had people who could only think about um, catechesis in a classroom. Right. And now all of a sudden they can't. Yep. Right. Or so it's not safe to do so. I, I want to like kind of get to uh, talk about each of these things a, a, a bit in, uh, in in a bit of an order, but let's talk. Let's tackle the the first thing, the most important uh, aspect of our Catholic faith life, which is the mass. When so as it stands, most dioceses still are offering a dispensation from the Sunday obligation. Yes. And and asking parishes to continue to live stream masses for those who cannot attend, and most pa- most parishes that I know of, at least here in the Northeast, but lots of places still are doing limited attendance masses uh, based mm-hmm. on local orders. I know that in large, like in Wisconsin, the dispensation has been lifted because people are being allowed to go back, and so the obligation is still is now back and forth. And in other places uh, around the country where the population density is different, but for for most people, that's still the case uh, where they they can't regularly go back to masses as easily as they did before. Do you think that when there's so let's kind of talk about in the in the future time when there's a vaccine? Okay, let's kind of and when mm-hmm. we're when the Restrictions are lifted and we're in the what's called the new normal. Uh, that's what they keep talking right. about. Who knows what that will look like or when it will occur. But in the new normal, will will parishes will, uh, probably not as many, but will there be more parishes still live streaming mass for the homebound for the sick? What do you think? I think we are. We've definitely made that commitment because okay. we bought the cameras. We bought the cameras, we've invested in the audio. So we are definitely still going to do that because we have found a population. I think they were always there, Mm -hmm. but we never really acknowledged them of folks who have told us this has been the best thing you've ever done. 
So we're going to take that, even though they could have watched something like EWTN or, or Catholic TV or something else, they mm. want to see their own people in their own place yeah. in a familiar surrounding. I get that. Right now, as a liturgist, I'm just scared because of the restrictions that we've had that we're cutting corners a little too sharply. <laughs> but and I don't know what this is going to mean. I think part my success in what I'm doing is because I know the mass and I know where to go and I know what to highlight. You know, I will yeah. highlight the consecration. You know, I will go to I will change um, camera angle when the lector goes from the first reading to the psalm, just to give it a break. So I think kind of stuff like that needs to be done for people who don't know exactly mm-hmm. what they're looking at or never had to think about it. But I think more so you never had to think about it. Before. That's an excellent point, by the way, which is the the necessity for liturgical training for the people who are now in charge of operating these cameras. Uh, right. it, I've noticed in like my parishes uh, live streaming, they're doing a pretty good job and they've got three cameras and they, they do switching. But like like during the the prayers of uh, the offertory, when the priest is mm-hmm. blessing the gifts, you know, they'll and he's kind of doing them low. Usually the cameraman will switch to the the looking at the the uh, music the d- director playing the piano. No, no. Those put it back on the prayers. Like we don't right. we don't need to switch. <laughs> Picture in picture, baby. That right. works. It right. does because that's what I do. The musicians in the small picture, yeah. and the presider is in and altars in the big picture. Right, right. Or, I think I think it would be nice for di- diocese to offer tr- that sort of training. And, you know, it's you know, of course, so many of us when we started doing live stream, you know, it was literally throw a laptop in your you right. know, somewhere in your sanctuary, throw a um, phone. And so I think you're going to see a lot of parishes that have still been doing that. And I know a lot of parishes in this diocese that are still doing, and a lot of the live streams have, have kind of faded away. I haven't been doing live stream, but part of that is because of the, again, the, the internet infrastructure that I'm faced with here. Right. It's just not very convenient. They don't even, they don't, we've got a web page, but I don't even have access to it yet because I haven't been able to find the password for it. <laughs> you know, stuff like that, Ooh. you know, yep. um, that, that's, you know, that, that's the thing. You've got a small rural parish is. You know, when the pastor is the staff, you know, some things get dropped. Yeah. And so I've got to, you know, figure stuff like that out. But there, you know, how many parishes have spent the money to put the infrastructure in? And that's one of the things, I, like I said, I want to do here where I want to have at least one camera, you know. And, and right. But it's but then you have the training of I can't be sitting there at the altar with my smartphone switching scenes on that camera or on those, you know, the couple of cameras, I need to have someone who's willing to sit with a tablet and have the tech savvy to be able to do it. Right. Right. That's, that's the key. I mean, it's like a new liturgical role of the camera operator, which is interesting given that so many uh, Protestant churches, especially of the evangelical or the emerging church variety, the the terms that they use have been doing this sort of thing for ages. And they have the tech savvy. And, and the danger is, is that we get into like we, we start to get even more. The Part of the problem with the mass over the past 60 years is we've turned is so many people think of it as an entertainment. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. entertained by the homily or the music, so therefore it's boring. And and there's more danger of that, of turning it into a TV show, which we, we really have to you know be careful of. So yep. but. On the other hand, there is this new liturgical role that we've kind of stumbled into <laughs> of, you know, pastoral camera operator or liturgical yeah. camera operator. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to be careful not to turn this into a production. Yep. Mm-hmm. That being said, if you're running the camera, you kind of have to know where the action is going. Yes. And this is for both the Novo Sordo you know, the, the Vatican II mass and traditional, because I've watched yep. some traditional Latin masses and it's the same thing. You've got to know where everybody is moving mm-hmm. yes. or you're missing the action. Right. Yeah. So, and people at home count on us to do that. I, I think all of this is now falling under evangelization. Yes. Right? It really is an evangelization tool. Well, and it always kind of has been. Yes. Yeah. Well, Father Roderick, talks about Father Roderick Von Hogan, one of the co-founders of uh, SQPN, who he does a uh, live stream mass for geeks on Sundays now, and he gets a worldwide audience. And he talks about how so many of the people who watch that mass are not Catholic. 
And in fact, you're hearing many stories, I've been hearing stories of priests and and parishes hearing from people watching these masses who aren't Catholic, who are just curious. They want, they, they're tuning in They're They get, they see a link somewhere and they're checking it out. And it's a low threshold way for someone to, to kind of experience what Catholicism is about. And so if we're not doing it well, if, if, if we're giving people a bad experience, not, not even just, doesn't have to be like a, a high production value experience. Just, there has to be, let them see what happens and, and hear it then it's not as good. So uh, now we talked about like your parish masses. There are, there have been and continue to be other ways to watch the mass online, like Catholic TV, EWTN, Ascension Press has been doing a live stream mass with Father Mike Schmitz. The opportunity to experience masses in other places that aren't your parish has been kind of cool. I think before my parish got itself up and running sometime like in May or June, I think it was, uh, we for, for during the Easter season, we watched the live stream mass Cardinal Sean from the cathedral, which was awesome. He only did that during the Easter season, though, which is unfortunate. And uh, sometimes we'd watch the mass from Catholic TV, sometimes from the Basilica in D.C. So there was that opportunity to kind of experience mass in other places, which was nice. Um, so uh, in the long term, so the, I think some of this depends on and uh, everything we're going to talk about is how how. How much stays different depends on how long it is before we get a vaccine. If we get a vaccine by January of 2021, I think more of, we're more likely to go back to the way things were than not. If it's January of 2022 <laughs> before we have a vaccine, I think stuff will have shifted enough to not shift back as quickly. Uh, assuming the vaccine is the ultimate end of this but that, right. that's a whole political argument but when we finally get to the point let, let's let's say when we finally get to the point where we can open up on a much more normal basis and yes you know some some places like here um it's much easier to be kind of a more normal right set setting than in, in a more populated area like boston yeah where uh you're much more crowded and much more likely to uh spread things that shouldn't be spread right right we're trying our best though right now we're we're holding i think most of us are in this area are holding steady when you agree mm-hmm. down that we're, we're keeping things right the rates are down and all that all that yeah and and you know but when coronavirus isn't as big of a concern there'll be will we have changed our attitudes with regard to flu and other normal things too so this this some of this applies to just whatever uh contagious diseases we have that are have some level of mortality for the for vulnerable populations. Right. And where I am in New Bedford, uh, the mayor there will not allow us to have more than 100 in the church, no matter what. Right. No matter mm-hmm. what the church can hold. So we're adding an extra mass now. We're going to be up to four this weekend because people right. are starting to come back. But we still need the cameras. Yeah. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of folks out there who can, who won't or can't walk into a space like that, even with a hundred other people. And the interesting thing with these pan tilt zoom cameras is they can be very expensive, thousands of dollars. They're mm-hmm. all, but there are also like pan tilt zoom webcams, like the ones from wise W Y Z E mm-hmm. that are like a hundred, couple hundred dollars, but they have, yeah, I was looking at, looking at ones, the 300 yeah. to $400 range that, yeah, they aren't going to be as nice as a professional quality camera or even like a nice Canon, you know, DSLR or something like that. But they'll be sufficient, you yes. know, and that's that's one thing I think if I could give advice to any parishes out there is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. <laughs> exactly. No, your your mass will not look like EWTNs. Your mass will not look like Catholic TVs. And, yeah. It will look amateur because guess what? You are. Now, there are there's going to a number of parishes, I think, found out, you know, our sound system really was bad. Yes. You know, because then they try to pipe it into a microphone or you know, into a camera and all of a sudden it sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the the other big part of it is not even so much the camera as the sound, which is in some ways even more important. Um, yep. And getting good sound, even getting good sound out of it, the out of the speakers in the church is is a is a task just to begin with. Never mind mm-hmm. getting good sound that you can record and transmit. So, 
And if I can give a tip to follow up on you, Father Corey, when we were evaluating what we were going to do in my collaborative, we needed to go the professional camera route because of the layout of the church, because it was a modern church with a very, you know, rectangle type of layout. My home parish in Providence has been doing it with an iPad and a boom mic for months. And this Sunday they lost their um, connection and I happened to be in the assembly with my iPad. So I filmed the entire thing and guess what? It was just as good. (laughs) So it depends on the size of your building and the sound in your building. So you you just don't go for the pro cameras. We had to just because of, of how we're configured. Right. Um, Again, this is an opportunity for dioceses to help their parishes figure this stuff out. Let's move on to, uh, to, to some other aspects of parish life and Catholic life. Um, I want to talk about like devo- the devotional aspects. So things like prayer groups, adoration, uh, how will, how have they changed and what, what will they look like in the future? Like one of the things I want to mention is like uh, the Rosary Army, our, our friends, Greg and Jennifer Willits, also co-founders of SQPN. They've been mm-hmm. doing a, uh, a nightly or daily, because uh, I think sometimes during the day, live stream of the Rosary. Uh, for months now, and and they've been getting a large audience of people joining them to pray together. Um, the, and uh, we also, SQPN, has a podcast called Pray Station Portable that's been going on for well more than 10 years. Uh, it's like 13 years at, at this point, which is the Liturgy of the Hours, the, the Daily Office, it's called uh, also, uh, every day. It's an opportunity for people to pray. So what what will, technologically speaking, adoration, prayer groups, and the devotional life of parishes and churches look like? I I think this is one area where eventually it will go back to normal Mm -hmm. because there is very much that communal aspect of prayer. The same with the mass, of course, but of, of, you know, like prayer groups, of study groups, things like that. And we'll talk more about study groups in Mm -hmm. a little bit, but there's that communal, communal aspect where you want that personal connection you can't get over Zoom. You right. can't get over a live stream where someone's sitting in front of a camera streaming and you're able to chat in the, the chat box over like YouTube or Facebook or whatever. Right. You know, the, the, gonna, there's going to be that point where people are going to want to be able to come together. And I, I think people are still doing that. I, I don't think that ever has gone away. I, I think it's dropped quite dramatically. But I think, you, I, I think you are seeing people who have been, you know, gathering for prayer, gathering for uh, community that are doing the, the, uh, chat, the go to meetings or the Zooms or Google Meet like we use for here and yep. things like that. Yeah. And I think, I think it, Catholics, we're just hotwired to, uh, and using an old term that's been floating around now, why we want to be in the room where it happens, especially, <laughs> especially if it has food. Yes. Oh, yes. People like to gather around table and, and share the call. Not that you can't do that on Zoom, it just loses some of that. Right. <laughs> you know, intimacy, intimacy. And I'll use yeah. that word. It's people want to be together. Yeah. Now, now, can we use this as an opportunity, though, speaking of food, to learn how to make coffee properly? <laughs> Get rid of personal coffee. I'm gonna, you know, I should make a YouTube video of how to make coffee properly in those big urns that you get. Yes. <laughs> Step one, store brand Folgers doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> well, Father Corey, I noticed you're wearing a T-shirt today from Mystic Monk Coffee. Support the monks. Yes. Buy good coffee from Mystic yes. Monk. It's an un- unsolicited uh, <laughs> endorsement. Don't think of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, Sorry, I, I, I just had to throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> Please have a little pot. Us tea drinkers who need one. <laughs> there you go. That's right. So, so we think. So, adoration. I mean, you can't substitute being in the presence of the Lord physically. I mean, having a webcam on a on a monstrance is nice, but you can't really substitute being there. And frankly, in these days, with so, you know social distance and separation, it's not impossible to set up a adoration chapel so that people. I mean, you're already usually so they're not usually mm-hmm. that packed on a round the clock no. basis. So that's possible. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. We're, we're, those are the, the sorts of things that could, are more likely to go back. But we need to keep in mind there are the, there are people who can't get out, and so older folks, uh, moms of young kids, and others. I think it's a good idea to kind of keep in mind these sorts of technologies that allow people to gather who can't easily get together in person 
Right. Perhaps. Uh, my wife, Melanie, when we had little, little ones, she wanted to go to the mom's group at our parish all the time, but just there was no one to take, you know, they were always like, oh, sure. Just bring, bring your child. She's like, I have four of them. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I, like, yeah, they, they, it would be chaos and I'd spend all my time chasing them. So uh, it, it would be nice to think of people who can't easily get together too, in addition. Uh, well, I, I think it was interesting. You're talking about uh, adoration. Uh, there was the was it the Sisters Perpetual Adoration that had the live stream for years. Yeah. And then they had to shut it down because of COVID. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> because of and distancing that's the opposite. issues. Yeah. Because yeah, of distancing it, issues. Right. Because they weren't able to per- maintain adorers. Right. Because of distancing. <gasps> yep. So uh, let's let's quickly. I want to I, I, I want to kind of respect our time together. And I want to really address this as a big one. Faith formation and sacramental prep. Joanne, you you said mm-hmm. you mentioned that you're a uh, director of faith formation at parish. So how has it changed for you? What's it look like for the future? I have more white hair than anybody knows. <laughs> um, and I was saying to a colleague this morning, you know, I, I, I have ate, drank and slept this for months trying to figure out what to do this year. And basically it is a patchwork quilt. Yeah for for different levels for different um for different opportunities and i'm looking at it right now as it may be less catechesis and more evangelization it it, my biggest thing i'm going to be promoting is attending mass yeah (laughs) virtually or otherwise because i think it needs to start there you know and a lot of families don't do that i hate to say that but they don't I tell you, th- this may actually be a blessing in disguise in this in in the sense of for a long time, because faith formation has felt like school ish at school form mm-hmm. where we go to classrooms uh-huh. and learn about Jesus instead of what it's really supposed to be, which is we we are introduced to the person of Christ and become disciples. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so for a long time, we've sent our kids to church on a day and where they spend an hour and they're going to be, and that makes them Catholic. And then we'll do sac, you know, they get a sacrament at some point yep. where we have a big party. Well, this really puts it back in the seat of the parents. Like you can't just send your kid off to church to become Catholic. This is, you know, so the, the tech, what technology can do is help parents be more in the driver's seat for their own children's faith formation. And frankly, at this point, as I'm sure you're aware, the parents becoming evangelized and be formed mm-hmm. as disciples. That's what I'm hoping for. But we're putting a lot of it. We are putting a lot on the parents, but we're not putting like not so heavy that they'll run away, hopefully. Yeah. Right. But each one of the um, the systems that we have invested in has an online component and my sacramental years, which will be um, Eucharist one and two and confirmation one and two, they'll show up in person as long as we can once a month mm-hmm. because they still need that in-person contact. Mm-hmm. And then the others will show up three times a year spread out, but they'll be, and they'll be mostly online for the rest of it with a catechist, with two catechists. Right. And the, your, your uh, sacramental year, the groups are pro- uh, presumably small enough that they fit under the cap. Um, it depends on your diocese because yeah. we, we don't have a cap oh, okay. <laughs> where we are. So I know archdiocese in Boston does because my husband works there. Yeah. Um, but no, we, I'm just using a gymnasium. Okay. That's big enough to put all these people socially distanced in a room. Right. right. That's, and if I have to do it and I'm doing it in, you know, one group will come at nine, one group will come at 1130. Okay. And cleaning in between and, you know, thermometers and the whole nine, you know, hand sanitizer, <laughs> the whole nine yards. It's a, it's a whole different world, but yeah. they still, I feel that they need to meet and the others will be mostly online, but we'll get them together a couple times a year just so they can, right. you know, well, I, think it's aspect. I think it's interesting too, even, you know, if you don't have the catechesis being provided from your parish, that we have stuff now like formed, yes. which has a lot of resources and could be used, you know, the parish could use it as, you know, kind of a, a you know, homeschool, quote unquote, where, okay, you know, here this week, we're, you know, here's, you know, re- watch this video, watch this, you know, this talk on formed, you know, and people, and then we can discuss on it, you know, like on a chat form or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
you know, things yeah. like that where we have resources now that we can use, not just live streams, but videos that are available online for streaming to give to people that say, okay, you, you know, like, like you said, John, we, you have to take the lead in your formation. Now we can't do this because we can't come together for that hour a week, uh, church night. So here you go. Right. You know, we can, we will guide you. We'll give you the resources, but they're all available Absolutely. and a lot of free. Exactly. And my sessions online are short. So they're between 30 and 40 minutes, but the in-person ones are going to be an hour right? or an hour and 15. So there's a difference between, and the parents are going to have to fill in the gap and they're going to have the, you know, the resources hopefully to do all that. It's, it's, it's a real patchwork quilt, Yep. Mm -hmm. but I don't think you can invest in one particular system at this point because they're not all up to, they're not all up to snuff. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting Again, another thing that had been kind of talked about a lot in the church, in the United States at least, is home faith formation. Right. You know, because, of course, the Second Vatican Council is very clear that parents parents are are the primary educators in the faith. Yep. And that's something parishes have struggled with for many years is how do we bring that about? You know, and parishes have tried it and parents have rebelled and... You know, and now it's just kind of like, we don't have a choice in the matter. (laughs) It's interesting because I did a little survey of my parents and believe it or not, I got 50% of the survey back, which I thought was a miracle to begin with. Yeah. And one of the the ways I phrased the question was, are you willing to assist your children in this? And then gave them drop downs. And one of them was yes, with a little bit of help. And one was no, I expect you to do it. Mm -hmm. I did get six people who actually chose that as an answer. Right. But most of them chose, I can do this with help. Right. So right. that was very, very encouraging. And that's how it should be. I wonder if the six even, they're just people who just do not feel confident in their own faith and need help. That's, yeah. that's what I'm thinking, but it's almost like, okay, I can, I can help you with that, but I, I'm not going to cure right. it in one, in one day yeah. so you can feel comfortable. Well, and, and, you know, of course, I think a part of the reason why like, you know, again, you know, religious education was viewed as a school. It was a right. class. And I think a lot of parents, especially in this very entitled culture that we have right now, uh, view, oh, no, the, this is the parish is providing me a service. It is their job to provide that service to me right. instead of me take this responsibility. And see, I've been the atypical faith formation because I never came at it as a school. I taught in a Catholic school, so I know what teaching religion is about, and I know what faith formation Mm -hmm. should be. So I've always been the the one who's saying, no, we can't do this as a classroom. So I want to kind of wrap up here uh, just about, uh, and move on to our other topics for today, but this is a subject that we will obviously be coming back to and dealing with the technology related to faith life uh, in our churches. In fact, uh, we've got an interesting uh, segment coming up later this month that will be good. Uh, I'm just preview it here. Uh, one last uh, faith formation sort of resource I want to throw out there. Uh, SQPN StarQuest has partnered with Flocknote, which is a parish communications mm-hmm. tool, uh, usually through email or text message, that sort of thing. And uh, some of our shows, like American Catholic History and Mysterious World, we are providing them with uh, brief uh, email templates, basically, just like a, pre- a pre-filled out email with information. So like American Catholic history will have information on an interesting Catholic, American Catholic, not just saints, like all kinds of American Catholics or Catholic topics uh, in America. And parishes can use these and just send them out. Just like, just, uh, I want that one. Click and send it to your parish list, that sort of thing. So um, give that a check out if you want. If you, if you, if you already have Flocknote, uh, check it out on Flocknote. And if you're not yet a Flocknote user, that might be an interesting tool for communicating with your parish, and this is a nice addition to it. All right, so let's move on to our headlines for the week, because I want to get this because there's some really good headlines. Uh, We have a drone flying theme this week, apparently. Uh, So so the first headline uh, comes out of Japan. Uh, This is on CNN, uh, but it's also, you know, all over the place. They have the Japanese companies successfully test a man flying car for the first time. Now, you've got to parse the headline. It's the first successful test by this Japanese company. There have been 
other right. quote unquote flying cars for years, years they've been demonstrating them. Um, but it it's so what they did was is it's a one man uh, little flying device like like a very large drone. It's a quadcopter, mm-hmm. so it's got propellers at the four corners, and they flew it for four minutes inside this test area. And but they're but they're looking forward to you know getting it. We we are planning to have a flying car in two years. They said, which it's always two years. Uh, well, it's you know all I can say it's it's about time because Back to the Future promised me five years ago we would have them. <laughs> They missed that mark. Yes. They've been promising that since the Jetsons in the 60s. Come on. It it is interesting, though, they're going back to the quadcopter format because you look at some of the early trials of it, and that's basically what they were, is they had the propellers on the edge. You know, some of them were like six or eight copter, but, you know, it was that was a format that they had looked at for these flying cars for years. Again, going back to the jet age, you know, dawn of the jet age. Now, I hope, because looking at this particular flying car, uh, I hope that they're going to use some kind of ducted design that it's not just exposed propeller blades out there, Mm because I can imagine the carnage that could be caused by (laughs) And frankly, like the idea of a flying car, I just, it's not a car. It's a a small personal aircraft, right? Right. I mean, what makes these things into cars, except that it's just an, and- it's bad enough driving on the road on four wheels, you know, mm. driving around people. Now we want to put these things in the sky and have people like if you get a fender bender, you pull off to the side of the road. If you get a fender bender in the sky, flaming wreckage from the air. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yes. Now, I, to be to be fair, first of all, I, you know, the, the devices we're talking about is not things that are going to be flying at 10,000 feet. Right. They're going to be flying at like 50 feet over the ground at most. Mm, um, yeah. And, and, you know, because they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're designed to be, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not talking like, you know, super high. But, you know, this is where I think like some of the self-driving technology that Tesla is pioneering will go, will go well, because there's been discussion among aircraft, you know, the, air, the, the air, airplane world, if you will, airlines and everything of like smart corridors of ATC where basically the plane just, you know, you, you tell them, okay, go through this corridor and the plane just immediately follows. Right. Well, that's the kind of thing we could have with this, where we would have smart highways that may or may not follow current existing roads. Right. You know, you know, like the, the, the line from back to the future where we're going, we don't need roads, you know, <laughs> yes. that kind of thing. So this means I'm going to be looking both for motorcycles and overhead vehicles then <laughs> right, as I'm yeah. driving down the road. Right. More to look for. Yeah. Well, and 50 feet, 3,000 feet. Uh, if you, have you ever fallen out of a, a 50-foot tree? I mean, that's a bad <laughs> I know, I know. It's yeah. still, it's, it, what, there's, there's a lot of things that are going to go into this, like the, the idea of, you know, the FAA will have to come up with all new air traffic rules. There's a lot of stuff before this mm-hmm. can be a, any kind of practical thing. But there is talk of, you know, air taxi services and that sort of thing flying around cities soon, like Uber wants to do it. And, you know, and probably overseas, like in Dubai and some of these other cities yeah. around the world before it's here. But so yet, yet another flying car. I I I'd I I'm all for it because if nothing else, you know, it, you can get rid of speed limits, or at least you know the speed limits don't have to be quite as big a concern. Yes, and you don't have to follow the road system, which let's be honest, here in Montana is pretty rough sometimes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, it, it can be a lot quicker to take a straight shot across country than it can across the road system. Well, that's so. what I was thinking. Is Montana, Wyoming, up that up in that direction? This is perfect for that, not for these crowded, you know, northeast and exactly. west coast and all that. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't want a flying car, how about a jetpack? Uh, anybody want a jet? So uh, out <laughs> sure. in L.A., somebody's got it, got one because, uh, according to the New York Times, a jetpack sighting at three thousand feet over Los Angeles prompts an investigation. Ooh. Two commercial jets on approach to LAX uh, reported to air traffic control passing a guy flying a jetpack at three thousand feet within like a couple <laughs> hundred yards, like three hundred yards. That Hi. that is. That is mid-air collision miss, and it is also high. I mean, that's for a jetpack. Uh, yeah. It's now they don't know who did it, and uh, they they haven't identified the guy. They're trying to find him uh, because this is extremely dangerous. Uh, but what do you think about this? 
Who's going to admit to that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's okay. going to raise their hand. <laughs> you know, and here goes all the conspiracy theories of who is developing something like this. And because I think I read something somewhere else that said nobody in the area is developing anything that goes this high. Well, so where did it come from? There's a there's a well, the New York Times article says there's a company called Jetpack Aviation in the L.A. area that has what it calls the world's only jetpack, which goes up to 15,000 feet and can operate for mm -hmm. 10 minutes. But they say, no, no, no. We don't sell the jetpack for recreational use. You're required to take a three-week course. And this wasn't one of ours. It's like we, right. we know it was. Now, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Because <laughs> if I wouldn't admit it, if it was one of mine, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it sounds like this guy was flying around the approach uh, yes. pattern to LAX, which is one of the busiest approach patterns in the world. Right. Nice. This is, I mean, this, this is, this is this why it's so serious because you, you can think of, again, if there's a guy flying around here at 3,000 feet, he's not going to affect anybody <laughs> except for the occasional military training mission that right. flies around through here. Um, everybody else, all the other jets are, you know, 10,000 feet or above here, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. But, yeah, this is, this is you know, parking right off the runway of these major airports at 3,000 feet. There are planes that, there are jets that go through there, like, Every few minutes. That's not a good thing. That's a good way to get an up close and personal introduction to a turbofan engine. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't not do good. That. Yeah. I mean, drones were already bad enough in air in controlled airspace. Uh, so yet in, something else to worry about. So uh, speaking of drones, uh, the, our <laughs> next headline, the FAA has cleared Amazon's drone delivery fleet. So as the Gizmodo headline says, so we're a step closer to commerce hell. <laughs> so, and, and, and they're still going to miss my house. Yeah, right. They'll still drop it. They're still going to miss my house. They're going to drop it on my roof. I know it. That's where it's going to end up. Well, uh, they'll, you know, they'll be able to get it to you in, you know, a, a couple of minutes by drone, but they're, they're going to take a week to actually ship it to you like they've been doing with Prime. Right. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not uh, happy with Amazon about that right now. Right, right. <laughs> so the the idea is they want to they do same-day delivery 30 minutes, basically, uh, uh, with these drones. And um, the, so what the FAA has given them is an air carrier certificate, which allows them to, to go to the next step of developing the drones. They're not – we're not going to see – drone deliveries anytime soon uh mm. they're still in the development phase but the drone that they've got apparently delivers up to a five pound package 15 miles i think they said is the range and uh within th they want their aim is 30 minutes or less which is like a, a, can they get me a pizza in that time so <laughs> even domino's has stopped promising that anyway uh yep. i i well, we've talked about this topic before and i'm still on record as I do not like this until you find a silent drone. I, I, mm. I do not want this because the idea of just our neighborhoods being filled with the sound of e on a constant basis. Yeah. I just, I hate that idea. Well, what do you, what have, do you guys think? And we have to watch out for those fly big flying hornets now. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. they make the same sound. So. Murder hornets. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is it between that and the flying cars? I mean, our skies are about to get crowded. Mm. But what? So what? I mean, for, from your point of view, I mean, good, bad, the it, dystopia. See, admittedly, of course, I'm out in you know, yeah. The only way you get Amazon is via UPS, right? So it really doesn't make a big difference unless UPS wanted to start doing the same thing. But I, you know, I I could see the advantage of it, but I would want to see it being used in more restricted use than the, the typical prime delivery. Right. No, I don't need Amazon prime dropping off a, you know, uh, HDMI to VGA ca uh, cable <laughs> in f 15 minutes via drone. Right. That can go via the more traditional route. Um, and I, it would be nice if they could find quieter ways to make drones work. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm not so sure. I think, I think Amazon, at least where I live, Amazon delivery has been pretty good. Um, so I just don't know if this is just more hype. Right. Sort of. We can get it there in, in 30 minutes, you know, so we can sell it for more. Yeah. What do I really Not need? Yeah. What do I really need in less than 30 minutes? Yeah. So, uh, but I'm still, I still like the idea of, I prefer uh, vans with little robots that spread out. So the van drives <laughs> to a neighborhood and the little robots drive along the sidewalks and spread out and deliver packages. I, that's, I think that's less disruptive, um, but that's, that's me. Um, other people's mileage may vary on that one. 
Uh, let's move on to another headline. This is actually kind of a bigger story. Uh, Apple's iOS 14 is coming soon, sometime in September or October, mm-hmm. probably October. And it's made some, some more privacy-based changes. And s- companies that have advertising are not happy about it. So the headline here from the Houston Chronicle says that uh, Apple makes a privacy change and Facebook and advertising companies cry foul. And so what's going to happen with iOS 14 is it's going to prevent advertisers and apps from tracking you as much as they have. So tracking you across apps, across websites. Um, and the, the, the reason that's important is advertisers and the companies that sell advertising like Facebook, they want as much data about you as possible in order to build an advertising mm-hmm. profile. And so they're, I love the way they phrase it. You're just, you know, this is not a change uh, that we want to make, Facebook says, because, you know, we're trying to give people what they want, personalized advertising that that makes (laughs) the ads relevant to you. Uh, And then they they accuse Apple of this isn't really about people's privacy. This is really just self-interest on the part of Apple because they the data is more valuable to them. And so they'll sell that data instead of letting it be freely available. What do you think of, of all this? Is is this well, <laughs> sour grapes? To, to sound like I'm on the schoolyard, they started it. <laughs> um, you know, they they have been targeting us and targeting us for years in with our data. So if Apple, I think, is pushing back. Now, I don't know about the selling part, yeah. but because I don't want Apple to sell my data. That's why I have Apple products, because I like mm-hmm. my privacy. But I think the other companies have taken too much advantage of it. So Apple's pushing back. And if it wasn't Apple, would it be somebody else? Right. Who knows? But well, somebody has to push back and say, you know, enough's enough. And it, it's, it's interesting because, honestly, I think most people don't mind advertising that's relevant to them right because you know yeah. how many times have we seen something and it's, it's kind of a running joke on uh on uh on the internet about yeah i, I talked about something and all of a sudden facebook advertised it right you know but how many times have we seen an ad god oh that is something i might be interested in oh that is something i would like to look at and amazon is great at that you look for something on amazon and it completely restructures your right. your uh your request you know your recommendations list. yeah yeah you know, and but at the same time, you know, there there is there is the skeptical side of me that says, OK, Apple has been beating the security drum, the privacy drum for a long time. And that's a very good thing. You know, again, I'm sitting here talking on a Hackintosh, which is, you know, <laughs> just taking Mac, you know, Mac OS, Apple's Mac OS and putting it on a computer it's not supposed to run on. So, you know, I I understand and I agree with it. But when's the facade going to slip and it turns out they're really not as security and privacy minded as they say and so my first thought was well now that facebook can't advertise the way they want to now here's apple advertising well apple has had an ad network but honestly it hasn't done very well because they don't they don't do these practices they've they've been following their limit the limitations and i think i think it's a little for one thing if they did sell that data when and after they've turned it off for everybody else i think there'll be a huge backlash i don't think it's worth it for yep. apple to do that so that's that's a big part of it but uh i i think this isn't simply personalized advertising these companies the advertising companies and the people selling ad space have and facebook is the poster child for this have gone in the past 5 or 10 mm-hmm. years have gone way over the line oh, yeah. i mean it's been story after story where this isn't just simply you know compiling information so they know if if you should they should advertise dog food to you yeah. they would know way more about you than you would possibly feel comfortable knowing uh, and, yeah. and Apple is kind of pushing back on this a little. And iOS 14, even in beta, has been started to slap some hands. Uh, TikTok mm-hmm. got caught, you know, uh, with the the clipboard thing. And, and so I think uh, I, I I I'm taking Facebook's complaints with a grain of salt myself. Well, I, and, and and don't get me wrong, I am too. Because I mean, look at every time you click on a link from Facebook, it immediately tracks, puts on this FBC LID, FB Click ID. Yes. They're, they're tracking, tracking every time you click off of the app and where you go, you know, and that's right. And so then when you post that link, then if you're not smart enough to strip that piece off, which you can do very easily. Right. When you share it to someone else, 
they're tracking who you're sharing it to. Yes. Because that reports back, you know, and they put cookie. They've been caught so many times putting cookies all over the place. And, right. you know, and in, no, and Facebook is the worst offender of this. They are absolutely right. the worst offender of spreading their garbage all over the place, tracking you. And that, yeah. you know, and I, I think, right. But as was said a long time ago, if you're not buying the product, you are the product. Right. Right. There's just that your data yeah. is Facebook's product. Just back in the days when they were saying that when free t- over the air TV, the, all they you know, they didn't know anything about you, just that you were watching. You know, the, right. the product was your eyeballs, you know, staring at the screen. Now they know because they have a device with all kinds of information about you. Now they know a lot mm-hmm. more about you. And that's that's what makes it a little scarier. So um, so that's our headlines. And uh, I want to move on now to our picks of the week. And uh, Joanna, how about you? What, what's your pick of the week this week? Well, my pick this week is because I'm one of those foul weather geeks. Every time there's bad weather anywhere in the country, I like to follow it. <laughs> but since I've lost the weather channel because I've cut the cord, I had to go looking for something else. And I came across an app that you can get on anything, iOS, um, Android, Roku, Apple TV, called News On. And it does 275 local stations throughout the country. It's, there's 48 states and the District of Columbia. I figured out that New Jersey doesn't, is not included in here. Hmm. And I won't make any jokes about New Jersey. <laughs> um, but what it, what it allowed me to do, like say this past week, was when the hurricane landed in Louisiana, I was able to go on to the Louisiana stations and see them broadcast live. Yeah. Because we're not going to hear about it up here in Mass in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. No one they'll give us a bleep, you know, a blurb headline, and that'll be it. But I want to see what's happening. Yeah. So I'm I, this app I recommend it highly because you can get oh. most you can get at least five or six stations in a state mm-hmm. that cover the breadth of the state. So you can check and see what's actually being reported on by the people who are right there rather than filtering it to national news or, you know, your local station that gets a blurb. So I would highly recommend News On. In fact, I really wish I could have seen it when the Lake Charles station kind of got hit bad. Because they're not back yet. I keep checking every once in a while to see if they're, you know, relocated, but they're not. So, um, but I I tend to like it. So it's called News uh, On. Other news events, like the derecho that hits Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you know, and there yep. wasn't a whole lot of national coverage of that. Or even if you just like there's a, there's a national news story, but you want to see the local angle. Like I don't want to get into the right. politics of it, but Kenosha, Wisconsin. You know, what's yep. what what are the local reporters who know their city saying? Uh, so that's a, that's exactly. interesting. Yeah, that's a good app. Uh, Father Corey, what's your pick of this week? So you were talking about the social distancing and people not you know staying at home and not not going out as much. You know, and of course we're talking we talked about it from a face standpoint, but of course you see it with with stores, you see it with restaurants, whatever. Um, one thing that people are concerned about is physical contact and being around people. Mm-hmm. And so gas station companies, gas companies uh, have, they started this before kind of like about a year or so ago, you started seeing these really crop up, but they're mobile apps for gas stations. Yeah. So these major corporations, uh, like the three, three ones I, I picked out are ones that are common here. Conoco, Sinclair, and ExxonMobil are three of them. Other companies as well, all, yeah. all the major uh, gas companies have them, uh, have these apps where you can basically pay for your fuel, pay for your food in, in food and drink in the store, some of them, get bonus, po- you know, bonus points, things like that, all from your phone. Right. So you can pull up to a pump, click on your app, say, I'm at pump number three, I want, you know, I want to add a car wash, I want to do this, I want to do that, hit pay, and then you can just go out and pump your fuel. Right. You don't and have to go like to the char- inside. You don't have to go inside. You don't have to touch the card swiper. Well, you know, if you do, the, you, you go inside, you can yep. pay touch, touchless, where you just take the app and you tap the phone to the device mm-hmm. or it scans your QR code or whatever. The great thing about that is it also defeats the skimmers. Remember the, yep. like the big problem of gas station pump skimmers where somebody puts a, a device on the card reader and they would skim your number off of off of the card as you're paying. Yep. Well, if you're doing it with an app, they can't skim it. 
yeah, so it's great. So this is a great way to kind of minimize that contact, minimize that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, now, not all even stations uh, have it. Like, for example, you know, I mentioned Sinclair. And of course, if those who are in the western part of the United States are familiar with Sinclair, uh, their big logo was a dinosaur, is a dinosaur. Yeah. It's a green dinosaur. And so they called their app DinoPay. <laughs> uh, but not all gas stations around here that are Sinclair gas stations support that yet. Okay. And you're going to see that with some of these, like in more rural areas, they might not have it or it might be hit or miss. Um, one thing I have noticed, though, is that like this dyno pay, if a gas station supports it, the price for for regular unleaded shows up right above their oh, dot. Nice. So you can see how you know, maybe you could shop around in, uh, in an area and say, well, this gas station here, you know, two miles that way is about 10 cents a gallon cheaper than this one. Well, I'm going to go to that one instead. Right. Because I'll save some money that way. Things like that. So it's advantage for that. But again, it's just. The biggest thing is being able to handle a lot of these issues contactless. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big promise. Uh, Some of them have reward programs attached to them. Conoco has what they call kickback, where it's it's a you 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 get one one point for every dollar you spend type of deal and things like that. You know, so uh, so there's like I said, all these mobile apps they're available for free. You sign up for them. You can use some of them. You can use like Google Pay or uh, Apple Pay or something like that to to handle it too. So I was going to mention with app, uh, with the Exxon mobile, I know uh, you can use Apple pay. Uh, you, so you can put the, the, the app, um, the card, you can, you can basically, if you have an Apple watch or an, or an iPhone, there's an yep. Apple pay thing on the pump itself. And you just weave your, your uh, watch or your yep. phone at it, uh, which is great. Uh, and if you have an Apple card, uh, you get 3% back on mobile, you know, anything at, at nice. Exxon mobile. So that's a pretty good deal. So yeah, I, I think Shell also has it too, and which is really yep. great. And so I think most of the big ones are, are doing it now. Yeah, Shell I saw has one. Sunoco for those of you in the East Coast have it. Yep. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of them. That's a great tip. That's a great tip just to be contactless. All right. So I've uh, I'm gonna suggest what, uh, my pick of the week, and I'm gonna go old school here. I'm going way. This it's it's sort of an old school new school pick, which is uh, it's a game because I'm having fun. It's <laughs> it's Civilization Six on Steam. This I've nice. been playing Civilization uh, in one form or another for like thirty years, like all the way back to Civ Two, I think it was back, you know, back in the day on an old Apple Two Plus or Apple Two E, I think it was. <laughs> um, and I love this game. It's always been a lot of fun. The latest version, Sim Six, they have the I think it's Gathering Storm is the latest expansion. Uh, this whole year, they've started a thing called Frontier Pass, for, where for a whole year, uh, they're they're rolling out big updates and small updates on a regular basis. A bigger update will cost you $10 or something like that for downloadable mm-hmm. content. And then the smaller updates, like once a month, are are just up like small, incremental, not just bug fixes, but feature releases. So it's a really, like they're doing over a whole year's worth, which is kind of nice, keeps the game fresh and new. Uh, I love it because my kids like to watch me play it and they've, they know who Menelik the second of Ethiopia is the like emperor. Menelik, and they know uh, who, you know, who uh, Catherine de Medici is. And it's, it's kind of interesting because it, it, it really does cover history in a way, of course, it's not real history, but it covers historical figures and concepts related to economics, uh, religion. It has religion built into it. Um, relations between States, uh, and w- one of the new things um, is, oh, what was I going to say? The, uh, the uh, They have secret societies now, which they've just added recently. Um, hmm. it, oh, so originally the game had Leonard Nimoy uh, doing the in-game narration. So anytime you'd get a, a new technology or new advancement, Leonard Nimoy would read a quote from some famous person. Uh, now hmm. they have Sean Bean, which is awesome, although I keep waiting for him to no. die in the middle of it. But because <laughs> Sean Bean always dies in all the movies. Um but there's some great quotes. There's like uh, for some, some one of the advancements is a G.K. Chesterton quote. Uh, I think uh, something about um, the po- the poets have been mysteriously silent on the subject of cheese. I mean, I just love that <laughs> quote from Chesterton. <laughs> and uh, so it's a lot of fun. Civ six. Uh, I play it on the Steam system, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's available for download otherwise, too. So uh, it, check it out. It's also on, on the Epic uh, storefront, which. I actually I did get it for free because it was like a, one of these one day free nice. things. But it's just the base game, yeah. just the base game. Of course, not the. Not, of course, you got to pay for all the add-ons if you want the add-ons. Right. But still, and and it might be something to kind of keep an eye out where it might rotate back through again at some point if you haven't purchased it. But of yes. course, you know, 
if you do do get it for free, then it might be worth spending on some of the the add-ons to support the company. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I think that's what they're doing is they give you the game for free and help you buy the the add-ons. Uh, yeah, Humble Bundle has done it. There's been like some of the bundles have uh, some of those the deal sites have given it away for cheap or free. So that's my pick. I love Civilization, uh, and so. Uh, I think that should wrap the, uh, this week's episode up. We'll take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Elizabeth K., Donald W., Anthony C., Emmanuel M., and Laura D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. Uh, if you have any feedback for us, you'd like to comment on anything we've talked about or you have any questions you'd like us to, to address, uh, any topics that you find interesting, let us know by going to the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you'll find links from our discussion and the picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like each episode of Secrets of Technology on Facebook. Retweet it on Twitter, where we're at SQPN. And leave us comments and engage with us on social media. That's a great way to interact with us online. Until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Technology. Thank you, Dom. And Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. Once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>